Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys today? Oh, come on. Do me a little bit better. How are you guys today? Hey, man. You guys know I need a little hoot and holler. I got too much energy not to have some feedback today, okay? In fact, one of the rules that Josiah gave me today is that I had to stay seated the whole time. It was the only way that I could preach again. No, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. But the truth is, um, Pastor Kurt and his family are on vacation, and praise God, they're getting rest and, and refilled. Amen. So be praying for them. Uh, oh, never mind. Pastor Kurt's in the back. I didn't know that. But okay, we were going to say a prayer for him, but they are on vacation, and so they're vacationing with us here, apparently, right? <laughs> wow, we, uh, I missed that one, didn't I? But hey, anyways, today looks a little bit different. We have um, some of our worship team is going to hang out with us on, on stage, and I just really felt uh, to be intentional today between each time of teaching and preaching to, to, to stop and hit pause and have a time of reflection and worship and uh, just really allowing you to soak in the message and, and to soak in what's being taught today. And, and so there'll be a couple times that we're going to pause in, in the sermon and just have a, a time of worship. You feel free to stand up. You can feel free to stay seated. You feel free to come to these altars and worship. Um, just wherever you can engage with the Lord and however and what posture that's possible, that's what we want today. We want it to be an intentional time of prayer and worship. And then um, at the end of service, we are going to do something uh, a little bit unique and, and kind of um, rare that we do here too often. We've all done it in ministry before. But at the end of service, we're going to invite up a couple te prayer team members. And they're going to be standing right here and right here. And if you feel like you are here today and you want somebody to pray with you, at the end of service, you can walk right up and they will, be, they will pray with you, whatever's going on in your life, maybe health issues or, or maybe there's a crisis going on or maybe your work or, or whatever it is going on in your life. We just want you to know today that we, we really feel intentional about prayer at the end of service. And so be thinking about that during the sermon, during the service time, the worship time, and just feel free at the end of service to come up and pray at the altars or pray with our prayer team. And so we're just thankful that you are here with us and and going to worship and, and dig into the word together today. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12. If you got your Bibles, you can pop that open and, and go to Mark chapter 12 for me. Um, if you have a digital Bible, you can open up your phone, but the rule is you got to put it in airplane mode. That way you're not on Twitter. Okay. Airplane. Anybody remember airplane mode from my last sermon? Three people, you guys, that's great. Uh, but anyways, I'm, I'm glad that you are here. We're going to be in Mark 12 and digging into the teaching of Jesus today. This is what he says is the greatest commandment. And this is Mark 1230. And let's read this together. Love the Lord, your God. See the, he opens this up and he says, and you must See, this isn't one of those optional commandments. This isn't one of those good, this is good advice. This is, you should try to apply this in your life, that this should be first and, and paramount, most foundational in your life. He says, you must do this. To be a believer, this must be the character that your life is described by. And he says, and you must love the Lord God with all your heart. Everybody say love. You must love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Amen? 
You see, it's one of those passages that, you know, if you've been in the church for any amount of time, you, you've heard this a bunch. You've read through this, you know this, and, and we almost kind of become numb. It doesn't necessarily resonate deep. It's kind of like John 3.16 sometimes. You know, we can all quote it, but maybe don't study it as often as, as maybe when we first came to faith. And this is one of those foundational commandments that we, we have to base our entire life on. And through this, everything else must funnel. So to love the Lord God with all your heart, we're gonna, we're gonna start there and what that looks like. And, you know, the heart's a funny thing because, and Josiah and I were talking about this today, like in English, the heart, you know, we, we, is your heart in it? You know, have you put your heart into that? I, I think of basketball a lot. We, you know, a player with heart is way more valuable than a player that just has skill but has no heart. You know, somebody that's, uh, that, well, they're just not putting their heart in it. Like you have a relationship sometimes. One person's really in it, and the other person's like, eh, I'm just here, I'm just here for the benefits. I'm just here for until I find something else, right? And so, like, this heart that we talk about, in fact, I, I saw it this week a little bit. I, I had the privilege, privilege this is, of chaperoning my son in his sixth grade class uh, for three days up in Prescott, and we went and did an outdoor education trip. And so... Um, I had no idea what I was walking into, but now I do. I am, I'm still exhausted and worn out and tired. I think I still hear screaming and if, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I listen a little close, but here's the truth. I, I have this silly story, and this, we're at breakfast one morning, and, and, and this is annoying, but this is true. My nickname to the whole camp was Mr. Clean. I, have no, I don't know why. I don't know why they nicknamed me this. And I, so if somebody can clarify me after service, I would appreciate it. But thank you for muting his mic, by the way, because he had something. <laughs> Go ahead. That was pretty good, actually. So, well, you're probably the only one who took a shower that week. That is so true. <laughs> Amen. My boy's got my back. <laughs> but it's breakfast. And so it's like 730 in the morning. And there's this kid, and, and, and you know, we have a kind of tables. We're sitting at it's one chaperone per, t- per table. And, you know, the, the, the teacher's like, okay, you guys can go first. And this kid just hops up, and he's like, yeah, Mr. Kling. When he starts running around the table, he's like, we get to go. We get to go. And I'm like, what? Like, what are you doing? And he goes, we get to go first. And it was just like that the whole week. <laughs> like, everything they did, it was just 100% with their heart. You know, like he was just like jumping and excited and just screaming. And like, and so when I read like, love the Lord God with all my heart, I want to have faith like that child. You know, like there, there's something connected to the, the having faith like a child where I'll, I'll just put all of what I am, crazy and weird and bald and Mr. Clean or showered, whatever it is, like all that's his. Like, all of that is for you, Jesus. It's not perfect, it's not polished, and, and it's kind of weird sometimes, but, like, you just get it all. And it's just like that little, he, he had no idea that was embarrassing. You know, he, didn't, he had no idea that there was 100 people at camp staring at him, like, what is wrong with this kid? He was just excited to get some tots in the morning. His heart was all in it. You see, let's go to the scripture, and I'm gonna pause for you guys real quick. Will you guys help me with something? Can I, give me some feedback. Can you guys help me with something? This is, this is a, a defect that I have in my, in my speaking. I say the phrase, do you see or you see a lot, okay? You see, I'll say that. If I say that, I want you to say it back to me. That way I'll stop and I'll be punished publicly and it won't continue. You see? 
There we go. Now we can get better together. That's the body of Christ that we get better together. Amen? Let's go to scripture and see what it looks like to put your heart into something. Uh, Genesis 22, 7. Genesis, we're gonna go Old Testament. We're gonna be at Genesis 22, 7. And let's go. Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, who's Isaac? Abraham's son, right? Okay, so Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have forgot the fire and the wood. And the boy said, but where's the sheep for the burnt offering? Verse eight, God will provide. This is Abraham responding. He said, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Let me catch you up a little bit here. Genesis 15, Abraham receives this like covenant, this, this vision, this spoken word from the Lord that, that Abraham's descendants would be as great as the stars and that he, he was already an older man and he, this was kind of a crazy type of promise that God had given him. And that, that was in chapter 15. But in chapter 16 of Genesis that Abraham and Sarah got a little impatient. We all know what happened there. They birthed Ishmael. And so they didn't wait for the promise of her to have a baby. They, they went elsewhere and birthed Ishmael. And then we go to verse, or chapter 21, which is right on the heels of this chapter 22. Finally, 25 years after God had told Abraham that they would have their own son. 25 years. He was 100 years old. And that's what we're coming in on here in chapter 22. So Abraham had waited 25 years after the Lord had spoken this promise, received this promise, the birth of Isaac. And then it, we open up in chapter 22 and it says that God tested Abraham. He tested him. I don't know if you've ever had a test like that, but I've never had a test like this. You know, I, I've never had God tell me to go sacrifice my son. But, you know, not only did Abraham get the promise and then waited 25 years, received this promise, but God told him, now I want you to take the promise that I gave you and I want you to hike up that mountain and I want you to give them back to me. So that's what Isaac, he, he's done this many times with Abraham before. Yeah, let's go, let's go do a sacrifice. Let's, but, but dad, where's the sheep? God will provide you know, and they hike up this mountain and they're, they're, they're climbing up this mountain and, and Abraham gets so far as to, he's got his son on the altar. The fire's set up and he's about to, to plunge the knife down into his own son and give him back to the Lord. And an angel of the Lord says, Abraham, don't lay, don't lay a hand on your son. And right there in that moment of faithfulness of Abraham putting his full heart and trust in God. I know that that was the promise that you gave me. I know that that was 25 years of waiting. I know that, that, that I put my only son on this altar and I was about to give him back to you. Right then an angel of the Lord stopped him and said, don't you lay a hand on the boy. And there was a ram right in the thicket, a sheep stuck in the bush and God provided so in 2214, this is where we pick up right after that. Abraham took the sheep and, and put the sheep on the ram on this altar and, and began sacrificing the ram instead of his son. And so in 2214, it says that Abraham named the place Yahweh 
Yairo, which means the Lord will provide. You see, somewhere on that mountain of Abraham putting his full heart and trust in God, he didn't have the answers. <laughs> and quite frankly, what would he even have done if he went through with it? What are you telling your wife? Sorry, Sarah. He ain't coming back from the mountain. But he has such trust, such complete devotion in God's promise and provision in his life. Every piece of his heart fully trusted in God, even though he, he didn't know how he was gonna get through that. Abraham named that place Yahweh Yaira, which means the Lord will provide. We're about to go into a time of worship and think about this. And here's my question for you. Is there a mountain in your life that you should be climbing and God wants to give you provision, but you're waiting for all the answers before you start climbing it? He's called you to something. He's told you it's time to give up something. It's time for a, a different season in your life. It's time to let go of something that maybe you've held on to for a long time or or maybe it's time to start hiking this mountain and giving your full heart to God in an area that, that maybe has been untouchable for a while. You see, when God, when the Lord has our hearts, we trust him as provider. We put ourselves in a position where, Lord, I can't provide for myself unless you come through. I can't do this, God, unless you show up and provide for me. And when we put ourselves in those positions, that's when we know our hearts are trusting him as provider. Let's bow our heads as we go into worship. Put yourself in a, a place of hearing the Lord this morning. We're gonna sing a little bit of worship and then we'll go back into the message and just be in a, a time of prayer and allowing the Lord to speak to you. If you feel like standing, sitting, coming to these altars, praying right there at that seat, all of those things are okay this morning. But let's just worship together as a family. Standing on this mountain top, looking just how far we've come, knowing that for every step. struggles on the way but with joy our hearts can say yes our hearts can say that you are a child and you are enough and Jaira, you are enough and I will be and I will be with every circumstance, you are Jireh, and you are enough, forever enough, and always enough, you're more than enough, you're ever enough, you're always enough, more than
struggles on the way, but with joy our hearts can say, yes, our hearts can say, you are Jireh, and you are enough, you are Jireh, and you are enough, I will be I will be content if every circumstance Oh Jireh You are enough Forever enough You're always enough You're more than enough Forever enough You're always enough More together but we're all right here by ourselves as well just with you and father as you look in on the contents of our heart lord we just offer those to you right now that lord i know in my own life sometimes i put providing for myself financially and and how am i going to make this happen and lord i, I I get the desire to want to be something in the world's eyes sometimes. And I forget about just being something in your eyes. And so, Lord, I just give you those things in my heart. And I pray that the same kind of inventory that you're opening up and allowing to happen on the insides of the hearts of everybody else here, as we continue to go into the to the word today and teaching together, God, that you would open up our spiritual eyes into our hearts and our lives and draw us to be more like you. And with everybody in one agreement, we all said, amen.
You see? All right, making sure you guys ain't losing it. What does it mean to love the Lord God with all your soul? If our heart is like this container of emotion and intellect and and it has all these things swirling around it, what does it mean to love the Lord God with all your soul? You see, we see that word in scripture over 700 times. The Hebrew word is nefesh. And that word nefesh is a lot different than we use that word in English, soul. See, in English, we, a lot of times, will say that our soul is this, it's this being that's trapped in our physical body until we die, and it moves on one day. But really, in Scripture, when that word soul, nefesh, is used, it's, that's not the way that it's used. It, it's, it, it really literally translates to the word neck, or breath, even. The very whole being of what you are is your soul. That it's not this like separate piece of me. It's not, I'm not just this wretched old sinner until I get to heaven and my soul goes to heaven. That your soul is your entire being. That it's your entire physical, spiritual being. And when we look at that word, that, it, that word nefesh, it says that a criminal would be bound by the nefesh the very life portal of the body, that the breath, the neck, the breath of life would be stopped from entering the body, that bound by the nefesh, that in Psalms 42, this is a a popular passage, it says that as the deer pants for streams of water, so my nefesh, my soul, pants for you. Capture this image in your brain. I got any hunters? Throw a hand up. Anybody ever done some deer? Okay. If you've ever chased a deer, it seems like it's the fastest thing that's ever ran on earth. If you've ever tried to like, okay, I'm going after this deer and I'm chasing it, I'm going. And so that's the image that scripture's given us is that, that this deer has just ran for its life. That it's ran from a predator and it's ran so hard that its heart and its nefesh, its body, its being, its existence can no longer survive without a stop and a drink at the, to get some water to refresh. That my nefesh longs for you, God, like this deer panting for water, willing to risk its life to stop running and, and stop to get water because water is more important than defending myself against the predator coming after me. That this deer is so desperate that, that, that it longs so much for the, the, the water to refresh it that, it, that it, it, it puts its life in danger to stop at the water. And my nefesh longs for you, God, like this deer panting, like, I have to have water. My soul longs for you, God. My nefesh longs for you. See, we get this. What passage today out of Mark, to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, your mind, your strength, out of Deuteronomy. And it's something that they've recited for thousands of years. But in Deuteronomy, it says it a little, it's, if you search, it says it a little bit different, that to love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, but it doesn't say mind. See, that's a New Testament concept. That we in English or we in New Testament language, we, we compartmentalize all these things. 
that like my soul is separate, that my mind is separate from soul. But in the original text, you were just one being. That this mind, this renewing of the mind, this mind of Christ that we have access to was a physical living thing that we have here and now. You see, when we look at that in Deuteronomy, it also says this, that if you search for him with all your nefesh, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all my heart, that you'll find him. See, I wonder sometimes what people find when, I, when they're not really searching with all who all they are. See, I wonder sometimes if we mistake pursuing the, the benefits as actually pursuing the giver of those benefits. You know, sometimes like I, my life starts getting a little bit better, so I think that I, that I, that I have found God. My, my life cleans up or I feel better. I'm a, be- I'm a moral person. But that's not what finding God is. That when you search for God with all your nefesh, all that you are, all of your being, my heart, my mind, that here and now in this life that you'll find God. Just like that deer found the water. But we have dilemma to putting our whole being into really pretty much anything these days. We compartmentalize so much like, well, that's my school life. This is my work life. This is my marriage life. And I act this way or I see this way or I'm this person there. And we're so used to having different compartments for everything. You see, psychology says that one of the reasons that we've learned to compartmentalize is trauma. And it says that one of the studies I was looking at that a third of people will leave childhood with trauma. And so we learn to put things in certain containers and boxes and that's that and this is me. That happened there and this is who I am. And it says that this trauma, uh, that two thirds of adults will experience trauma in adulthood through betrayals and relationships. And, and so what happens, we, we get compartmentalizing ourselves everywhere and not really putting our whole being, our whole nefesh into anything anymore. Remember the little boy screaming about tater tots for breakfast? We don't put that whole being into anything because we learn in childhood that I can't be who I really am or people won't like me. I can't be the screaming, excited, tater tot kid because I won't be accepted. And so we live this life with fear of commitment. We live this life with fear of missing out. We live this life in anxiety. See, we live this life being double-minded and fitting in when we should be sticking out. And we end up getting more concerned with caring about what people think about us than what God thinks about us. And we have a Christian life that, that seeks the gifts instead of the giver. And it's not like panting at the water like the deer, that it's literally your survival you find in God. But there is a healthy kind of fear. And this is important. It was the fear that we were designed to live in. And we see this in Luke chapter one, verse 50. See, in Luke chapter one, verse 50, it says that he shows mercy 
from generation to generation to all who fear him. You see, the enemy has had an assignment on your life since you were a little kid, just like that little tater tot nut. He's gonna learn to not be that way because he'll be... He'll have a fear of man more than a fear of the way he was created, the creator. And so this healthy fear, a godly fear, it always leads to love. But an unhealthy fear, it always, it always leads to us compartmentalizing. It always leads to us hiding or living in shame or not giving you my real self and definitely not putting my whole self into anything. Because as long as I hold back a little bit and it doesn't work out, I'm still kind of safe. You know, we kind of got our foot, one, one foot in the water and one foot out. And if, I have, if I've got a backup plan, I can get out of this thing and not have as many scars as I once got. This fear is like an awe. Josiah was kind of talking about this with me this week. Like this reverence, this respect for our creator. And if I'm honest with you, a very collision of that fear and awe and reverence, it happens to me when I sit up here and I preach. Sometimes I get more afraid of what the opinions of the people in the crowd are than, is that what you wanted, Dad? Man, is that what you want, God? Like, they're your people. What do you want them to hear today? We're gonna go into a little worship. And I want you to think about this. To love the Lord God with all your nefesh, your soul, with all your mind, it means letting him have your whole self, even the broken pieces. There's pieces on the inside of all of us that aren't, that aren't healed properly. And it's hard to offer those things back because we're not sure, like climbing that mountain, what the provision's gonna look like. What if I open my heart back up, God, and it's worse? I guess we suffer like Christ then. Let's bow our heads and let's be in this moment together. God, here's our broken pieces together. Do with them as you see fit, God, that they glorify you.
Lord, to, to give you the broken pieces, the scars, the betrayals, the, the pain, the insecurities, the unknowing, the fear of missing, the fear of not being enough. I just, I just rebuke that in the name of Jesus. Anybody in here carrying that, that scar tissue, that baggage that they weren't meant to carry, the lie that's attached to the trauma, that pain, that betrayal, the lie that the enemy has inserted inside of that pain in their heart and in their mind, I rebuke that in the name of Jesus, that that no longer has access and a stronghold, that they are able to return back to joy, Lord. I just speak that over our people today, Lord, that your people, Lord, that they know that you're, your sacrifice, it was enough. That your bloodshed was enough. In the name of Jesus, everybody said. To love the Lord God with all your strength. You're like, I don't have strength, I feel weak. I'm empty. This word strength is the word meod. Meod. It's, it's used about 300 times in scripture. And it really means very much to full capacity. We all have different capacities. We all have different strengths. We all are influencers in different areas and different ways. But our strength is to be used in total capacity with everything I have. In fact, it translates in the, into the Greek into the word dunamis. So that word strength, meod, is dunamis in the Greek. And it's where we get the word dynamite. So to love the Lord God with all your meod, with all your strength, to love the Lord God with dynamite. I don't know about you, but that, my personality, that's not super hard. Most days I wake up like I'm a lit piece of dynamite about to go off. I know that don't surprise you. <laughs> Let's look at scripture for some dynamite together. Acts chapter nine, verse one. Dynamite, dunamis, meod, strength. In Acts chapter nine, we, we meet a, this guy, his name's Saul. Everybody know Saul? Who does Saul turn into? He's, he's our dude, isn't he? I mean, that's like 66% of the, the New Testament. I think that's about right. Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. Chapter 9, Acts, Saul's uttering threats. He, he's, this, he's zealous. He's a zealous Pharisee. And, 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 and Saul is on this, this mission to, to wipe out people of the way and, and, to, and, to, and to persecute them because 
it's a career move for him. That if he can be the most zealot of, of Pharisees, that if, if he can show that, that our way is the right way and the people of the way are wrong and, and we can persecute them and, and, and utter these threats, I, he had obviously ill intention against them. And so he's on the road to Damascus. And he's traveling to, 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 to you know, improve his career and his status as a, as a Pharisee and a, that he's the most zealous of all the Pharisees. And on the road to Damascus, he's blinded by this light from heaven. You know, he's traveling one way in the worst kind of way. And he's blinded by a light from heaven. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And his response is, Lord, Lord, what do you mean? He reveals himself to him. Jesus reveals himself to him. Leaves him there helpless and blind, just wrecked. <laughs> this road to Damascus, this, this moment changed everything. This, this dunamis moment went off and it changed everything. And he tells him, I want you to go to this place and I want you to meet this guy named Ananias and, and he'll, he'll fix you up. He'll take care of you and he'll tell you what's next. Blind and helpless as the people with him help him back to go meet with Ananias. And Ananias, this follower of the way of Jesus, the Lord speaks to Ananias and says, hey, look, Saul's on his way and I want you to pray for him. <laughs> what? You remember Saul from 9-1, the... the, the the murderer of Christians, he's persecuting Christians? You want me to pray for this guy? Like, uh, we got our wires crossed, God. <laughs> that don't make sense. You see, in God, he had different plans. He says, no, Saul is my chosen instrument. Because the things that confound the wise in this world, those are the things that bring the most glory to God. We're just waiting for that dunamis moment in our life. That moment where the, where the dynamite goes off and it, it changes everything. That the, the scales fall off, that the pretend self that you've operated out of for so long, it changes instantly. That I no longer can go back to who I was because of the, the power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of me has changed me and wrecked me and I can't go back to where I was anymore. It's this dunamis, dynamite, powerful strength moment. You were created for it, just like Paul was. Ananias prays for him. The scales fall off his eyes and he's able to see. And it says he was filled with the Holy Ghost. A different kind of strength and power was now inside of Saul that he never knew before. Acts 9.20 says this. Saul, and he immediately began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. The same man who was just on the road to Damascus to persecute Christians is now preaching that he is indeed the son of God. And all who heard him were like, is this the same man? Is this, like my eyes must be playing tricks on me because this guy 
took out like five of my friends last week. <laughs> this guy is a persecutor of people of the way. This guy is not the same guy that I knew. Meod, dunamis power. Let it be said of you today, when those people that used to know you, is that the same person? Is that the same girl that used to have all those fears and anxieties? Is that the same guy that used to be quiet and meek and in the background, but now he's speaking up for God wherever he goes? Is that the same Brandon? Is that the same guy that I used to know that was, that was no good and hopeless and strung out? That's that guy? See, you might not have a story like Saul, but what we have in common with Saul is we have the same meod. We have the same dunamis power, the Holy Ghost that, that lives on the inside of us. And your story, just like his story, just like my story, is that you would, it would be said of you that, is that the same person that used to just sit in the back of church and maybe showed up once or twice a month? That's the same person? What happened? He's not done with you today. He's not done with you. You've gone through everything you've gone through to get you where you are because you're his chosen instrument. You can impact people in a way that I never could, that Josiah never could, that Pastor Kurt never could because you have the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. There's something you're supposed to do in this life that nobody else can do. Let it be said of you. Let it be said of you. You see, to love the Lord God with all your strength, it isn't just like one thing. It isn't one thing you can do. It's everything. When we give the Lord God our heart, our soul, our mind, our dunamis, all my strength is yours, God. There's nothing that's left untouched by his power. He wants to access that with you today. Galatians 2.20 says this. My old self. Everybody say old self. That old self. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So that I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That it is no longer that old person that lives in you. That it is Christ that lives inside of you. That that dunamis, that meo strength, that, that is what is living inside of you. Ready for you to apply that in your life. Ready to live out of that dynamite passion for Christ in your life. He is ready for you to walk into that new identity, into that new self. but anything less than everything isn't enough. And we've gotten so used to just giving enough to get by in our life, to compartmentalizing ourselves, 
But anything less than everything accessed by him is not enough. So we're going to move into our last little section. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. You want the rest of the worship team? Worship team, you can come up. Prayer team, you can come up too. If everybody else go ahead and stand up for me and this will be my last little invite and talk and, and then we'll just, we'll close today in some, some worship. We got Kent and Gina over here, some prayer warriors. Kirsten right here. You're welcome to come up and, and get prayed for today. You see, we find this biblically in James chapter five, and this is what it says. In James chapter five, verses 13 through 16, it says, are any of you suffering hardships that you should pray? Man, I just feel that this morning. I don't know who you are here today, but you've been carrying something that don't belong to you for too long. And sometimes walking up that mountain, maybe walking to the front and asking for prayer today is, man, that's scary. <laughs> man, the Lord spoke to your heart today and I, I can feel it. I just overwhelming me that you've been carrying something that it doesn't, it doesn't belong to you anymore. It, these altars are open for prayer. And it, so if you face heart, suffering hardships that you should pray, are any of you happy that you should sing praises? Are any of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to come and, and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And such a prayer offered in faith, it'll heal the sick and the Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you'll be forgiven. Verse 16, it says, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed that the earnest prayer of a righteous person it has great power and it produces wonderful results. These altars are open. This prayer team's available. And so let's just go into a time of worship and you can respond as you feel fit. You can respond right in your seat and have the same holy moment that we can have up here as well. This isn't the only way, this is just a way. But I ask that let yourself get lost in worship a little bit. Let's bow our heads and we're going into worship. If you're comfortable, th throw those hands up to God. Just, God, here, here's my arms. I'm opening up. I'm surrendering to you, God. Would you like me to get prayed for today? I'll go forward right now, God. My heart's all yours. If you want me to worship right here in my seat, God, I'm all yours. If you want me to, to lay at that altar, I am all yours this morning, God. And so, Lord, we just invite you to have your way. It's your church. These are your people. And in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we just ask you to have your way, Father. Amen.